Thank you for joining us for the Way Niagara Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Burnett. For the past year on the Way Niagara Podcast, it has been primarily myself along with Chris Doglish and Steve Lamar. And in season two, we are excited to add other voices with more frequency on the podcast. And so I'm excited to welcome to our listeners my good friend, um, board member at Way, and just an all-around interesting person that I look forward to having somewhat frequent conversations with. And she joined us for the Christmas episode almost a year ago. And so, but let's welcome back to the Way Niagara podcast, Trisha Wallen. Hello there. Hello. This is going to be interesting because we talk frequently, but usually not with mics in front of us. Usually not. And I usually like that. (laughs) So this is going to be fun. So I introduced you in terms of connection to Way. You're on our board and you've been with Way from the beginning. But why don't we go even further back and uh, just give me a little bit of history on your family and life and all those things. I mean, right into immigrating to Canada, we would have to go back probably hundreds of years on one side, eh, about 60 years on the other. Um, but let's not go that far back. Of I grew up in Hamilton, um, moved around a couple times, but always went to the same school. So it's always just, you move neighborhoods. So I didn't have to switch churches. I never switched schools. So that part I liked. Um, moved up to Toronto for work at one point, which was quite the experience. Uh, worked there for two years before moving to Niagara and with the same company, which was great. I love the people I work with. Um, but that move was definitely like moving to Toronto um, and then moving to Niagara was definitely a God thing of I went through some hardships in my life, but it led me to the perfect amount of work experience I had for the job I have currently. And I absolutely love it. And now I'm here in Niagara. Um, while living in Hamilton, I was attending Kingsview Community Church in Stony Creek, and that is where I met Pastor Chris. He was there for probably about a year and a bit before he started doing junior high ministry and youth ministry, and I was on the junior high and youth teams, and so started volunteering with him there. Um, yeah, and I still attend there occasionally and still volunteer there, um, but in knowing that person Chris so I've known Chris for probably a decade maybe even 12 years and so then when he decided to start his own church I'm like hey I'm actually going to be moving to Niagara I will I will join you when you get that started and it all worked out in great in great timing because you had moved here back in, in August 2019 2019 and then COVID hit and so no one was going anywhere for a while know for 2020 and 2021 and then things with way got started now related to pastor chris i have to ask what was your first impression of him so me and him were junior high leaders together and he was just the go with the flow like almost like a happy-go-lucky just okay whatever works and then volunteering And then volunteering while he was the junior high pastor was, I didn't ask for the schedules ahead of time or what the plan was. One, because I didn't care and I would probably forget. But two, things always change with Pastor Chris. And so it's like, unless you tell me 30 minutes ahead when the kids are coming, then I know the plan is somewhat going to (laughs) stick. 
Remember, we did an episode on pivoting a couple episodes ago, and that is very true around way, and we definitely have our our fun poking him for that. But I do value a leader that's willing to to adjust and to not be too set in their way. So it's it's fun. Now, tell me a bit about your family. So, mom and dad. I have two older sisters. Um, yeah. <laughs> Very good. And you're all pretty close in age. Yeah, there is only three and a half years in between me and the oldest. Okay. So, that um, growing up together, common life experiences. Yeah, you know, too, I know too much together. <laughs> too <laughs> But you still talk to each other. We do. They still live. Uh, one of them lives in Hamilton, Stony Creek. The other one lives in Kitchener. Um, so, I... Yeah, Kitchener's only an hour and a half away from here, so bit, a bit long to drive for just like a tiny afternoon, but it's like, hey, if you have family get-togethers or something like that, it's it's not that hard to do. Yep, that's that's good, and you're raised in a Christian home, like always in church and all that? Mm-hmm. Awesome. Grandparents still go to church on both sides, so third, yeah, third or fourth generation Christian at least. That's great. I thought I remember hearing my mom tell me a story about when her parents became Christians. I'm pretty sure they started in the United Church, um, I think, and then, yeah, moved over to the Pentecostal church that was in town, and we've basically been going Pentecostal ever since. So being raised in church, it is, and this is a common experience for me as well, there kind of comes a point that you need to make that decision for yourself. Like, Am I a Christian only because my parents were and they told me to be? Or, like, this is actually something that I want for myself. Do you remember that moment when it became your own faith experience? I remember we had a Wednesday night kids program. And I remember going to the altar at that Wednesday night kids program. I have no idea how old I was. I want to say six or seven because that was, like, the age group that it was two, I believe. Um, but I remember going there and kind of like doing the formal, I asked Jesus into my heart. And of course you would do repeat after the pastor whenever they would do that sort of prayer. Um, and it definitely became a sort of tradition or just, this is what we do. We pray before our meals. We go to church on Sundays. You go to youth or junior high on the Tuesdays or Fridays, whenever it is. And it was just kind of, yeah, something you do. And during high school, I would go to youth on Fridays and I didn't have friends there. And so I would just sit and listen to the pastor, but it was very similar to just Sunday. And I'm like, these are stories I've heard before. These are life lessons that my parents have taught me. And it wasn't anything new. And so I stopped going to youth during high school. And it's like, I went on Sundays, but that was it. And I didn't do personal devotions and I didn't do, it's like kind of, you're still a good person or maybe a good Christian of what other people may call it. But it's like, I wasn't going around causing mischief and being a criminal, but it's kind of like, I stopped going cause there was nothing to it. It's like, oh, you'd go to youth and we'd go to McDonald's afterwards. But it's like, well, McDonald's was boring cause I didn't have any friends. And it's like, well then why go if you don't have people to share it with? And that's a whole community idea that, I like about way. And then when did that change? So that continued 
until, well, when we switched churches to come to Kingsview, there was, I can't, I tried out youth there and it started out that I think there were six of us and it would just be in the pastor's office. And it was like, okay, but it's a new group of people, but still none of, not very many people there were my age, but within a year, um, there were two girls that were the exact same age as me. And it was like, hey, I have friends. <laughs> so it's like, they actually really helped me to continue going. One of them uh, went on to Bible college and she's now in Cambridge, uh, volunteering at a Baptist church there. But they actually helped me stick with being a Christian and stick with living the life and believing that a lot of people in that young adult age when I was in college would normally fall away from. I was able to still live with my parents while I went to university, which probably really helped because, hey, they drove me to church on Sundays and I had my own car by then, so I would drive to youth or young adults on my own. But it was because I had that exposure, it, I didn't lose my faith. I may have not been living it out to the to my potential, but I never fully lost it. And that's, you know, really important that to note that because we do see alarming statistics that people in their late teens, early twenties fall away from the church. It's easy to actually follow. You move away for school and not even then, but it's like, oh, or just you have friends that want to hang out on Fridays and you don't go to youth. Or you're, now your friends want to start, and the whole drugs and alcohol thing is a whole other conversation, but one of the things that that can do is just get your attention somewhere else and not on God. Or just so that God is just isn't a regular part of your life. And it's like, there's a whole other conversation of like, oh, but are they bad? It's like, I've known Christians who drink every so often. And, but it's a whole, when that becomes something else in your life and that becomes your priority, then that's where it changes. For sure. And we are seeking to be a community that supports each other and, but also helps make faith real. You know, it's not just about going to a building on Sunday, but the community of faith is actually something that is present in our lives Monday through Saturday. And I do think that community is a big part of why people stay engaged. Yeah, that's of course. It is, it's been for you. And, and so, you know, it's been fun to, I've never felt so connected in a church community. Yeah. Church can help build a community, but it takes effort on our own selves to then, hey, I'm going to hang out with this person outside of a church event or, hey, let's go out for coffee or let's have dinner. And you don't, I'm, me and Jordan will hang out every so often. And I can tell you that most of our non- conversations are not God related. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. they are, but a lot of the times they're not. And that doesn't have to, but it's just, but it's still good conversation. And it's still probably wholesome conversation. I mean, I'm sure some weird things come up and <laughs> I might not repeat those. 
But I still remember the first time we met, when I first came to Way, and we had a young adults group at the time. And we had the formal part of the group, and then I think some of us went to Tim Hortons or something after. And that was like the first time we really had a conversation and realized we were born four days apart and had a lot of things in common. Yeah, what are the chances of that? Yeah. Not at the same hospital, though. Well, that's good. (laughs) And uh, so, anyways, I'm looking forward to having Trisha on the podcast on a frequent basis to talk about all kinds of different topics. And so I am looking forward to having you back very soon. But for now, let's go over to my conversation with Chris and Steve, continuing on the book of James. Welcome back, everyone. Today we are continuing in the book of James, um, finishing up chapter one, starting with verse 19. Uh, If you are tuning in uh, and you are following along, we are at uh, kind of the bold letters in our Bible. Uh, If if you have CSB or most most of the uh, more recent translations have the title Hearing and Doing the Word kind of captioned over top of uh, this next portion of Scripture. So I think to uh, allow yourself to frame up what we're about to talk about, what we're about to think about, the understanding of hearing and doing. That's two different action words. One of the things we do um, both voluntarily and involuntarily, and the other one is a conscious effort. Do you understand? So we we hear because it's a built-in human sense, but we also hear when we commit ourselves to focus to things. So if you, if you use the word hearing, it kind of has like, a, it's like a dual headed beast, right? Cause you can hear the world around you. You can process noise, but actually hearing what other people are saying leads to things like justice and leads to things like uh, thoughtfulness and mindfulness. And, um, the Bible uh, is, is leading us towards that word, which is, uh, more of a, a mindful version of hearing. And then the second is to do, or to it's an action word, which is kind of like doing is to set in motion, the, the Hebrew translation. So hearing is like the more thoughtful process, and the doing is setting something in motion. So you're hearing and doing the word. Cool? Yeah. Yep. All right, here we go. So this is going to be some, some fun. So it says that, my dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak. And slow to anger. Okay, I'm just going to stop there. <laughs> because we're talking about hearing and doing. And he's saying, my dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Like, this is what you have to get in your thought process, in your core, in your soul. It has to become part of who you are. Everyone, you need to understand this. You have to be quick to listen. Okay. And I think this is something that we are learning at way much better as we grow in our mindfulness and in our mental health programs and in our um, just the way we approach each other is that we're actually like instead of having the busyness that we keep in our mind we are like I was talking about that that dual fold version of hearing someone might be saying something to you but you're just you're just you know accepting it as noise instead we're actually being thoughtful and mindful when people have something to say 
Um, so the first thing it's saying is be quick to listen. If someone has something to say, listen to them. It's not always the first response, especially with certain people, right? That, that don't, um, make it easy to listen to them all the time because they're constantly saying something. So be quick to, to, to listen, but even more so than it goes, you should also be slow to speak. And I've, I've met people who I've tried to have serious conversations with like deep theological conversations or whatever. But as soon as you're making a point, they're so busy in their brain trying to formulate what thing they're going to say next that they're actually not listening to you. So when they reply, they actually kind of wash away all the good that they were doing in their listening. Have you ever had that in a conversation? I like lamp. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) No, let's be honest. Sometimes that's me. Okay. Like when I'm particularly distracted or anxious, I might be in the room, but my mind is in 10 different places. Mm. And so I've had to be very intentional, especially in pastoral conversations Mm -hmm. and in prayer conversations to do my best and not always very well, but to do my best to turn off the rest and actually focus on the conversation that I'm having. It actually reminds me of watching the Mr. Rogers movie. Hmm. Did you guys see it? No. So there was about this kind of angry reporter that had to do a piece on Mr. Rogers, and he's like not having it. Anyways, but they started to get to know each other. They started to have good conversations. And then at one point, Mr. Rogers asks the reporter, do you know who the most important person is to me right now? And he didn't know. He didn't know what to say. And he says, well, I'm talking to you. And so you are the most important person to me right now. Hmm. And that comment sticks with me because so many times we're in a conversation, or at least I am, in a conversation and almost waiting to be done Hmm. rather than actually engaging in the moment that we are actually in. Yes. Yeah, this is where I'd say it's active listening. Mm -hmm. Active listening where not only am I here and you're saying words and I'm kind of hearing them, but I'm able to respond back to them repeating what you said. I'm able to hear your words, I'm able to repeat your words, and then that's how I know that I'm truly listening to you. When I'm able to build off what you say because I can hear it. Because I'll tell you honestly, if I am in a situation where I'm, you know, sitting a week or two of mania or my anxiety is really high, uh, I'm probably not listening to you. Mm. And you can tell. You can see it in my eyes. I'll be looking here. I'll be looking there. And I'll be just thinking of what's the next thing I'm going to say? What's the next thing? What What's next? Mm-hmm. And it's a struggle, but uh, it's something that I've learned to just... When the symptoms kick in, force the active listening. Try to listen to be able to say back what you just heard. Hmm. That's really good. Yeah, and I think that then the next point then is being slow to anger. And part of, uh, part of that is f- being triggered, I guess, by what other people are saying or thinking and letting their emotions affect you when you're talking to them. I think that happens more frequently than we want to allow ourselves to admit. And then going into verse 20, it even says, for human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. So if we're supposed to be quick to listen, slow to speak, 
also slow to anger, um, and then recognizing that human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. Um, I've, I've experienced that human anger many times when people are, uh, you know, spouting off criticism or whatever, um, speaking hatefully, the saying things that, that actually I find offensive as a human, uh, or even trying to sell me on ridiculous ideas that are just so unfounded in, in, uh, in lies, there's no truth in it. And I, I think that this is one of the things that I'm myself am working on more is, is letting the anger go and then processing what they say later, but in the moment, just ma- maintaining my joy and not letting, uh, other humans be be joy thieves for me because if they are then it because it's not godly anger that i'm substituting for my joy it's human anger and anyone who can steal your your joy is going to continue to do that because uh, they might find that fun yeah <laughs> i certainly met those people um so i think as as we progress into the mental health aspects and the, the relationship aspects of what Way's doing. We need to make this even more a point of who we are. And that this is why we're, we're asked to walk through James, is that it sets some very good guidelines for being healthy in relationship and community, healthy in relationship in wellness, healthy in relationship even with your family and within your own church leadership dynamic, that... We need to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. And throwing that in there, what we're trying to accomplish is very clearly something righteous, right? Yeah, and something that you triggered for me, and it's even just in these words, is the church justification that I've heard a thousand times of its righteous anger I'm angry at this person because they did this and God would be mad. Mm. But uh, one of the arguments I heard researching this today is, is it our place to take God's anger and place it on someone else? Mm. Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think uh, the Bible's very clear that judgment belongs to the Lord, right? And um, when we start to assume that we know how God would judge another person, we are making ourselves idols. Yeah. We're making ourselves God. We're elevating our status. And that's where things get really dangerous. Yeah. And there is a point, though, that we are called as Christians to work towards God's desires. And so when you see abuses, mm-hmm. when you see things that are harming others, like there actually is a place for righteous anger. Oh, yes. But it's what well, we have to make sure that when we have that... Mm-hmm. It's not about when we feel wronged. Right. It's about when we witness others. Yeah, yeah it's not to justify yeah. our own anger. That's right. It comes as a sense of justice, fight, seeking justice for others. And I actually had a situation this past weekend where I was, in my own heart, kind of debating because what this person did, did negatively impact others. Mm. But... I'll also admit that I do kind of have a bias against this person. Mm. And so it was like, well, they just proved it again. Mm. So I was kind of wrestling in my heart where it's like, 
is it righteous anger or is it just Jordan being mm. just judgmental and yeah. non-gracious? And I was grateful to have people around me that were able to see grace in the situation mm-hmm. when all I wanted to do was let them have it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I think as you're seeing, you know, now as we walk through James, there's so much rich content here and there's so much that needs to be talked about and fleshed out that I, I really challenge you listeners to spend time meditating in James, especially in this last portion of, of, chapter one because it has so much implication for how we are asked to do community together and that is how way needs to operate in all of our touch points and all of the ways that you um, assemble or, or do community within this body and within our local churches and schools and all of the places that you find our our, our humanity um, there there is a, a true map or guideline here and so like the next point then is it says therefore ridding yourself of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent Mm -hmm. humbly receive the implanted word which is able to save your soul so rid yourselves of all moral filth and evil well well that's 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 a real like direct gut punch Right? Yeah. Because I feel like um, we give so much permission to, for moral things, for moral, um, for moral gray area. Right? Well, I don't know that this is good or bad. And it's literally saying, like, if you know that this is bad, you have to rid yourself of it. When I was talking to someone once that was making the comment that, like, I know that this isn't the way it's supposed to be, but... I have to do it this way temporarily mm-hmm. until I can do it right. Interesting. And I honestly don't remember what I said to that. <laughs> but it's like, no, no, no. If it's wrong, it's wrong. Yeah. And, you know, I'm known as a bit of a black and white thinker. Yeah. But there are certain standards. And yes, there's areas of grace. But there's also things where it's abundantly clear. Mm-hmm. And in the areas where it's abundantly clear... Saying, oh, well, it's inconvenient, so I'm going to put that on hold for a little while isn't isn't the right way to go. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, we could do a whole sermon series on what is moral filth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we could... I want to be there If we that. can really flesh it out and really get into it. Uh, the stuff that the church was experiencing at that time was some heavy hedonism, uh, some very, uh, just very dark spiritual things. And um, when they're talking about the evil that is so prevalent or more uh, more appropriately interpreted the abundance of evil in the world at their time. Um, I mean, they were surrounded by like paganism and uh, just a, a very, um, a very different spiritual atmosphere than today. And not to say that today is not um, dark and evil and that there's certainly influences out there um, trying to uh, undercut the kingdom of God. And it's, moral uh, obligation to to do justly by by everyone around us but even next even so it says that the next part like after you're able to recognize 
the moral filth and evil and, and push that out is to receive the implanted word. And I love that statement, the implanted word. It says the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Mm-hmm. So we've been talking about being hearers and doers of the word. So we've learned to be hearers uh, of other people right here. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. And then we're told to do these things uh, for yourself to get rid of the moral and, and objectively evil things. And then secondly, receive the implanted word. The, the implanted word being the, the uh, rhema word. It, it, so do you, do you understand what the, the, like the rhema, the, the, this spoken word? Um, basically, there's two different words in the um, text that describe the word word. Okay, so logos is the written word and rhema is the spoken word. Okay, so when God spoke creation and said, let there be light, that was rhema, okay? Do you understand that? And then when we look at, you know, Jesus being the word of God, he is the logos, the written word, okay? So when we're viewing uh, the word word, it has so many meanings because if, if we had to use the translation here, so what we're saying is humbly receive the implanted word, which is the rhema, the spoken word, the word that is spoken in truth, which is able to save your souls. When you receive the truth that is spoken to you, that is that Jesus is your savior and that through his grace and his grace only will you find salvation. You receive that, you take that into you and that rhema becomes logos. It becomes written on your soul. And when it's written on your soul, it starts to grow like a planted seed, right? And this is some very cool imagery that we're playing with here. And it says that that rhema, which becomes logos, is able to save your soul. Powerful stuff. Very powerful. And then next up goes into verse 22 here. It says, be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like someone looking at his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfection of the law of freedom and perseveres in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer who works, this person will be blessed in what he does. Okay, that was a lot. Okay? So the concept is be doers of the word, that put action to the word. Okay, we've, we've talked about what the word is. So you're not just supposed to hear it. We talked about this at the start. You're not just supposed to, like, it's not just noise. Okay, that rhema is not just noise. It's powerful, and you need to be able to listen to that rhema. And where are we finding the rhema today? Who is representing the rhema? Well, the logos points us to that. The written word points us to it. And when people, humans, vessels of God, speak and preach and read the word and speak the truths of the word, the rhema is activated. It's released from the logos. 
And that has incredible power. So when people are speaking the truth of the word of God, we're supposed to hear it. We're supposed to receive it. And we're supposed to do it. But then it says, if, if you hear and you don't do, if, so if you hear the word and, and you're not a doer, you're like someone who's looking at your own face in the mirror. You look at yourself and then you go away and you just immediately forget what kind of person you are. That's a little bizarre, little bizarre, is yeah. it? Yeah. Like Absolutely. just, a, that's a very bizarre, uh, just, just, uh, imagery because how often do you stand in front of the mirror and just like, you know, you look at yourself, you're, you have, you have the best knowledge of your features cause you spend a time looking at yourself and then you go away and you're like, I forget what color my eyes are. Steve, do you remember what? I, I can't, I can't see what color my eyes are. Can you tell me what color my eyes are? I'm colorblind. <laughs> So don't ask Steve. So this is kind of the thing. Like, if you don't take that word in and you don't understand that word, you don't know that word, and you don't live that word, you don't do that word, okay? When that truth is spoken, whatever that might be, and you just hear it and you forget about it, oh, and then you walk away, okay? Yeah, that was good preaching, but I don't care, right? I don't need this. It's not for me, whatever. It speaks to, it speaks to something that I may be convicted about, but I don't want to hear it right now. I'm going to walk away. And then when the time comes that you actually need to remember what that was, that was spoken to you, you've got to defend your faith. You've got to stand up for why you believe what you believe. Or you need to find strength in the, eye, you know, in the middle of a, a chaotic life storm. Of, you know, we get those all the time. Chaotic life storms. Where just the world is out of control. And your depression and your anxiety and, and all of the things are just triggered. Right? And without that word giving you positive strength. Without that word, which is able to save your soul, you, you just dropped it, right? You forgot it. You lost it. And then you're in the middle of the storm going, I don't know why things are so chaotic. And how do I find help? Where do I turn for help? Right? It's this, this is what this story, this imagery is saying, right? We need to be intently listening when people are speaking the truth of God's word. We need to be intently taking it in and, and observing it and carrying it with us. Because we actually have an opportunity to use that to help others as well when we carry that word with us. So guard carefully your time of learning. And then this is something I myself have had to do more and more over the years. Because I so often would just go into church and be like, okay, can't wait to get out of here. Uh, can't wait to do what we're doing after. I'm going to have small group potluck and man alive. I can't wait for that food, right? So when you look at like the inability to actually listen to what's being spoken and to carry that with you and then going into situations where you're like, I don't, I don't know how to deal with this. It's the same idea as looking in the mirror and being like, oh yeah, look at that, walk away. I do not remember what I look like. Yeah, I'll tell you what I was thinking when I read this part was actually the sort of self-help, self-motivation type idea. You stand in front of the mirror and you tell yourself the positive things that you want to believe you are. I am strong. I am powerful. Today I will do this. And then you walk away and something distracts you for a second and all those thoughts are gone. All the goodness that you just poured into yourself is gone. And I think that's kind of what he's saying when he says, for he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. It's the person you made yourself to be. Mm. Uh, I think that what we're trying to get to is it's not about what we're saying about ourselves in this. 
we're hearers and doers of the word. We're not deceiving ourselves. This is about who we should be by being listeners, by being doers. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it even, like, you know, we were talking about the logos and the rhema. Like, when you hear rhema, it becomes logos. Like, your memory, like, you write it into your memory or something. It says you, God's word you hide in your heart. Like, it, there's so much power in the knowledge of Scripture and the speaking and the hearing and the doing of the word of God that we often forget how important it is as believers to carry that with us. Mm-hmm. because it's what gives us opportunity. In fact, into verse 25 it says, the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it. That's the perfect law of freedom is the word of God and perseveres in it, right? The person who looks into, reads and studies the Bible and perseveres in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer who works. So someone who actually takes that written word and then can turn it into rhema. And speak it into other people when they need it, right? And I believe that's a huge call here at Way, right? We are a people that speak good things into the hearts of other people in their time of struggles, right? That's the whole purpose of our, our wellness hub. I mean, that's literally why Steve and Jordan and myself spend any time together with each other is because we actually build each other up constantly, mm-hmm. Especially with the memes. Especially yeah, so with the memes. It says that this person will be blessed in what he does. And I believe, like, sitting at the table with you two, like, I see you guys as people who are blessed because you hear the word and you do the word and you share the word faithfully. And then they followed up with this little bit of, a, it's almost like a warning. It says, if anyone thinks he is religious without controlling his tongue... Okay, so we've talked about the word. Now we're talking about taking the word and using it to control. Okay? So if anyone thinks he is religious without controlling his tongue, his religion is useless and he deceives himself. Okay? What is religion? That's a loaded question. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I'd say uh, so... It's been probably 10, 15 years since I've looked at this. But my understanding was uh, religion is when you are focused on a being or beings as your god or whatever you're worshipping. And you have a set guidelines, rules, things Mm -hmm. that you're following to appease these gods. Yes. So basically, you're never going to impress God. Yep. Unless... Like your heart is in the right place and you're speaking words of life. You can do all of these great rituals, mm-hmm. but if you follow that up with an unwholesome tongue, yep, yeah, then that's yeah. You can have like the best set of like moral rules. You know, you can be like the king of the Ten Commandments. Like I do all of these things, but you can't control your tongue, right? Your religion is useless and you are deceived by yourself. Yeah. (laughs) And to be clear, though, this is not necessarily talking about salvation. No. Because, and sometimes people will say, right, like, will equate that with salvation because they think, quote, religion is what saves you. We are not talking about salvation here because we all have our moments of, of sin. And that's actually why we need the grace of God. 
That's actually why we need the gift of salvation. So when it's talking about religion being useless, that is not saying, do not equate that with you're going to hell. Right. It's just saying that there shouldn't be a disconnect between the way that you talk and the rituals and the beliefs that you hold. That's all it's saying. And you know, it's, it, what's also interesting here is like they're, they're struggling with um, the Jewish mindset, right? That the following the Ten Commandments is the way. And, but Jesus came and he said, these are the commands that I, you know, in Matthew 22, right? It says, they ask him, what, Jesus, which is the best commandment basically, right? And he's like, actually, the commandments that I think you should follow is love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. Right. And so in, in that, in saying that, Jesus summed up the Ten Commandments and in many teaching and we can get there in another podcast. But Jesus came to fulfill, become the fulfillment of the commandments and he himself became the Ten Commandments. And in doing so, he then dispersed the two most important commandments in that moment and said, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor. This is what's pleasing to me. And so if you are trying to create a religious structure to follow and you're still using the Ten Commandments, this is what's being said here, you need to stop and look at what Jesus actually says because he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And then he said to love your neighbors. And then Verse 27 in James here says that pure undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to look after the orphans and the widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Come on. That is loving your neighbor and loving God. That is the religion that we are to follow. If you want to keep rules, the rules are to love and to love without uh, any bias. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's part of the the wholesomeness of what God is wanting us to live into. Yeah. To speak good words, to speak the word of truth. And I think that is a really important thing for us to remember. Yeah. Is that it's not about the rituals. It's about the most important commandment. Yeah. And that's not an option. As believers, we are called to that. That's right. You can't say, I don't have the spiritual gift of kindness to get away with yelling at the <laughs> server that, you know, brought your coffee out too cold. Mm-hmm. And so, like, and that's, I think, really an important thing. And I think we will wrap it up there. This has been a really great conversation. Five weeks going through chapter one of James. And so next time we are going to continue with James chapter two. And so thank you for tuning in to the Way Niagara podcast. For more information about all things Way, go to wayniagara.ca. Bye for now.